Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to Nerdist Podcast number 792. Uh, what do you got on the Nerdist Community Corkboard, Kyle? Uh, I got really excited when these people emailed in because they're a product that I use. Uh, FrightRags.com, Fright-Rags. Are you familiar with them? Did we do them? No, What's but what is that? Fright Rags is a horror t-shirt company. Oh, thank and God. And it's all... <laughs> Uh, now the other things that could have been I imagine that's a real like if you quietly don't... masturbating into a horror sock <laughs> uh, it's just a sad looking stained pumpkin sock from several Halloweens ago it's a little, it's a little goblin towel we're learning way like... too much about Kyle right now look man like you we... guys don't open the crate if you don't want to see what's inside uh, they are a company that does original art t-shirts from horror movies uh, and they're kind of my favorite thing in the world so it was the happenstance that they sent it in they they do stuff for everything. Their artists are amazing. Uh, I have a shirt from them that's from Return of the Living Dead that is all the main zombies from Return of the Living Dead. And then in blood it says, do you want a party? It's party time. Great. It's my favorite t-shirt ever. Great. So where uh, can people find this? Go to www.fright-rags.com. And hey, guys, if you wanted to send at Kyle Clark is rad a bunch of free shit, I would not fight you on it. If anyone sent you something, would you fight them on it? Uh, I mean, it depends if they were trying to send me like a box of like rabid monster creatures. I'd be like, I don't want that. And they're like, take it. It's your destiny. You and I'm like, like I'm Manny a reluctant Pacquiao. hero. You'd be like, I'm going to fight him. Oh, I mean, yeah. He'd beat me to death just immediately. <laughs> he would. but That'd be, that'd be, that'd be a cool way to go. Somebody delivered Manny Pacquiao in a large crate with holes in it. And then I opened it and he beat me to death. Pacquiao-age for <laughs> Kyle Clark. <laughs> God, I got to get a new mailman. This guy loves his puns. He sure does. Katie. Hannah Crichton, who used to run the Nerd Melt showroom, is making a documentary. Yeah. Well, what's she making? She and her friend Kyle are returning to Russia to find the orphans they worked with in 2007 at a summer camp and profile their lives as adults. Oh, this could end up real sad. Yeah, but apparently the orphanage system in Russia is uh, completely messed up and kids are thrown onto the street at age 17 with no money and no education. So their their past campers that they worked with are now in their 20s and they want to see what their lives are like. So if you want to find out more info on the film or donate to help them make it, you can go to tiny.cc slash Russian summer. I am so proud of you, Hannah Crichton. That's oh, yeah. fantastic. If there's one person who can get that insane thing made, like that is that is Hannah Crichton. Yeah. Hannah Crichton's your lady. Uh, this episode is Iggy Pop and Josh Homme. Woo! <laughs> you all right? Yeah. Sorry, that's the, the noise I make thinking about this episode. Woo! <laughs> Manny Pacquiao jumps out of a crate and punches <laughs> well, you in the solar plexus. Well, like it's just because uh, then he crushes my windpipe. Yeah, Iggy Pop. And I, so I invite. So obviously you were here and I invited April Richardson yeah. to. Uh, April didn't. She didn't sit in on the podcast. She just sat in the in the room. Um, April and I kept looking at each other and then looking at Iggy I Pop. I was watching you guys <laughs> mouth the words "Holy fuck!" Because Iggy was. Uh, I mean, Josh is Josh is like 
He's a rock star among rock stars. And and he's also like comedian hilarious funny. He's so fucking quick, and I I keep pushing him to come on at midnight. He's He'd be amazing. so good. And Iggy was was could not have been cooler and and everything open. I wanted. And he was to everything be. that you would want an Iggy Pop to be. Uh, but just both both great guys. They're promoting their album tour, both titled Post Pop Depression. I listened Tour-tour. to it; it's real good. Postpopdepression.com. I did too. It it's is real super good. good. Not what I expected. Not at, at all. all. No, that but American Valhalla. Like once that started, I'm like, ooh, this is different than I he, thought it was going to be. He addresses that, but uh, really, 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 really fun episode. And uh, and one of those like, how? What is my life? Was, how is this uh, my life? The whole drive here, I was like, what is this? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> It's like it was funny watching you the first time you met Rollins yeah. on the podcast, and I think that was your first like, "What is happening?" Well, that was like three gigs in. I was like, "This job's already insane," <laughs> <laughs> and then you just kept showing up, yeah, like a cat. We left some milk out for that, and just, now I'm just the cat who lives with you guys. Just until the cat Alf eats me. <laughs> Scout is Alf. Oh, that that's Alf over there too. I put the fake mustache on Alf. By the way, did you notice that? Oh, you did. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I, he was disguised. Yeah. I didn't recognize him for a second. <laughs> Uh, Katie! Now entering Nerdist.com That is my Chewbacca book. That's cool. We're gonna sign that later. Ooh, that's so cool. We're take a blood sample and just it, smear your blood. <laughs> it really needs to be combed. <laughs> it must be combed. I just I need a hair sample and a sperm sample. Oh, it's just like jail you can just again. Leave it on Matt. <laughs> yeah, I've already done that. Okay. Hence the bleeding. Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> Look at you. You've gotten so cash. That's how I get in this podcast. I just let it happen. Oh, that's guys. pretty cool. Right? It's right? totally. That's right? Freddy, You're the you know? Axel Rose of. <laughs> This is uh, this podcast is Matt's Chinese democracy, (laughs) and then it never comes out. It never comes out. It'll never come out. No one cares what it does. I mean, that must be like here I go. Oh, it's like wait, too late? Oh, am I too late? (laughs) I know usually people say too soon. No, it's too late. Too late. It's too late. This time. What are you? uh, Are are you guys just in town promoting? You live here, don't you? Yeah. Where do you do you live in LA? I live in Miami. You live in Miami? Are you serious? Yeah, man. That's where my mom's from. I know Miami. No kidding. What part? She was born in, uh, she lived in, um, well, my grandparents lived in Miami Lakes, but originally I think Hialeah and my grand. I know all those areas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Miami Lakes is, they just, they indicted the mayor for, you know, there was an FBI stint. For what? He was taking bribes, but then he got acquitted. What do you take a bribe for in Miami Lakes? Um, construction <laughs> project. Yeah, like need another lake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this lake isn't deep enough. You, you know, put his it... name was like Pozzi, Mike Pozzi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mike Pozzi. Eh? Yeah. How long have you lived there? I, I don't live in Miami Lakes. I live in. Uh, but how long have you been in the Miami area? Since '98, so it's almost 20 years. Holy shit. <laughs> and you wanted to go to the most opposite place you could think of. Well, I wanted to go as far as I could get away with going. I mean, I couldn't go to Omaha really. I could sustain what I was doing, but I right. could get away. From There's it. no beach in Omaha. Well, 
Well, Omaha, Omaha, Omaha Beach. Beach. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> very not, famous. Not the best. Not the best place. <laughs> Good back metal, Josh. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, the place is the bomb. Oh, so a lake. Boom. Oh, oh, beach. Okay, yeah, beach. Yeah, beach. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. You made a beach. Yeah. Yeah, Miami's all right. I haven't been there in, in years. My. Uh, You're gonna anger our World War II it. veteran listeners. <laughs> yeah, of both of them. There might be one. <laughs> yeah, both of them. Your, uh, your Civil War buffs though will be really excited. <laughs> So how are you doing? I haven't seen you in ages. Yeah, it's been a long time. I think I'm just that yeah. comedian that uh, that comedian party. That comedian party we went to. I love that party. It's a rooftop party. We don't have to say the name, but it's a rooftop party. What Sarah Silverman's party? Yeah. <laughs> but I like it every year because I'm just it's you know it's a, it's in that good environment. There's free booze. I don't ba- drink. Basically, that's it for me. Yeah, yeah. but I, I drink enough for you. <laughs> you do. <laughs> You're small. I could drink your weight, and you're you're two you're two x me. Yeah, you are. You, I, I, I feel like I feel like sometimes I like to. If there were two of me in a Titan suit, I yeah. could be Josh Homme. Well, but I, I I when I go to the big and tall store, I wear an extra medium. So. <laughs> it could be two of you with a trench coat with yeah. one of your heads sticking out. And you can get into those movies. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah, we can finally get into those R or X rated movies. Yeah, that we've always talked about. Yeah. How's the press been going so far? How's it been? Well, uh, you mean like doing it or reading it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you should never read it. <laughs> reading it's a terrible well, idea. Well, I read some of it, you know. How do you pick and choose what to read? Well, it's just sort of serendipity, whatever. If I have 20 minutes and I read some shit for 20 minutes. <laughs> do you Are you able – do you personalize it or are you able to not care about it? I personalize, dude. I totally personalize it and like uh, – I wish death. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say, you know, I'll well, say to my wife, I hope he dies. I hope he dies tonight in a horrible way Be- because he because he criticized me this much, right? just this much. Yeah, well, but yeah. their relationship is so strong. She immediately hands him a voodoo doll, and he gets right. to he work. Starts poking. Yeah. She's got his and back. Somewhere a blogger's like, my heart. Yeah, she's like, this is him, and bang, yeah. you know. That's all. That's all they want. Yeah. yeah, just boing boing. No, then you'd be, you know, but then, but then you'd be giving them more. I mean, to be murdered through voodoo by Iggy Pop would be such an honor for anyone. Like you're giving them way more. I have voodoo dolls. I <laughs> don't. They're just. They're just. Like for company, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but every once in a while, when my shoulder hurts, I think that motherfucker is somewhere stabbing me to death. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little Josh Homme. There's a little two X Josh Homme yeah, doll so, somewhere with a couple of pins. It's a big doll. It's yeah. a big. Let's face it, it's a big doll. It's a big doll. It's a big doll. He's not. He's not stabbing any vital organs. It's <laughs> you know, just like a shoulder, shoulder or a back, yeah. wishing me roughness. But I think it's it. You know. I think in general, when people see celebrities or when they look at, it, they go, "Well, they're not human; they're these two-dimensional things." But especially someone like you, I think people go, "How could that bother him? He can't even be human anymore at this point. He's he's ethereal." Well, like, it just depends. It, it, they need to come up with a new angle to bother me. Yeah. Like <laughs> if you just say, you know, you know, dude with a face like a catcher's mitt can't sing, that's not really going to bother me. You know, I'm going to go. <laughs> you know, well, what if they said first baseman's mitt? You know. Yeah. <laughs> but if but if a guy you know if a guy puts me in an article about attention seeking celebrities who pose nude yeah it bothers me yeah you know so it just depends you know yeah what yeah. oh you're talking about the thing that you did for the art the yeah art school. right you know so but I think unless they would be willing to pose nude themselves it's, well this it's almost is like the, you shouldn't the, be able to the say one anything. that did it bother me when the thing was first announced one of the comments you know they have, everybody has comments. Of, 
All right, well, big deal. So Iggy Pop has a big winky, and he thinks his <laughs> <laughs> winky. He well, can pose a... nude. Ooh. I think hearing the word big winky together are really funny. <laughs> big winky sounds like a, a bouncer over at, you know. <laughs> At Finkelstein, Finkelstein's Deli over or something. Over at the you Chinese know. Democracy yeah. Bar. <laughs> We're almost open. Yo, what you need to do we is you need to go to the yet. door. You need to ask for Big Winky. Yeah. He's no, I went to college with Big Winky. He can get us in. He can get us in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a... Uh, uh, it's interesting what types of things poke into your psyche when you know... But you know better, though. Like, you know it doesn't Yeah, mean sure, sure. And then you just take a, have a have a drink and process it and have a... Go to the bathroom the next morning and then everything's... <laughs> everything's fine. Well, yeah, right. it's, it's out. It's no, out. I'm good. It's out. I just got to shit out the I'm negativity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I, yeah, I saw perhaps that. that's what shit is, though, is the negativity. You know, you know, I never thought of it biologically that way, but perhaps the negativity is I gone. do find when I'm pooping sometimes just like, get out of me, sadness. Like, I try to exercise the... And then anyone But do, you listening... can only judge it by do feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, that's working. Sometimes you do, and sometimes you're like... I think there's still some negativity yeah, in there. It's the tingling that makes you know it's working. Negativity out. But I, I saw. Why is there blood in my negativity? Yeah. <laughs> that's the big winky talking. That's, 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 it's a funny word, isn't it? Yeah. What, big winky? Negativity. Yeah. The ne- negativity like, is a funny word. The negativity you know. scene every Christmas? Yeah, every <laughs> right, right. Jesus, that's negative. <laughs> I saw the pictures from the from the life drawing thing. Yeah. And people were they had easels all the way around. Yeah. And it looked like there were two people like everyone else just kinda had a side view, but it looked like there were two people that had the view. Actually there were, and one of them was a really sweet old little she's basically your basic little old lady and it's just sweet as pie. And uh the uh, the guy uh, Jeremy Deller who had organized it, invited me. He said, "You know, if you want to have a look and it's, things are in progress, go ahead." So I I had a little peek over at hers, and you know she she drew the flab of my butt like, meeting in the heart <laughs> of the of the Dion's, right? you know, with these little curlicue lines. You know, it's like a curtain. You know what I mean? Like this curtain hanging down. So, I like that. And but- that didn't bother me at all. I thought it was really cool. That was like part of the whole thing. It was like I I didn't do I. There's been a decline. You know, I'm 68 and the things have gone downhill from when I was 21. Sure. And I thought it was good to document it before I disappear into the, you know, whatever, you know. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a good one, the little. <laughs> but you're still in good shape, though. Yeah, not bad, not bad, you know. Yeah, take a look at everyone's drawings, but don't get excited when you go back over there. You know, you'll change the art. I can't imagine there are a lot of 68-year-old people where you're like, I want to see them take their clothes off. But, you know, like you were in pretty, you're still in pretty fantastic shape. It was a lot of fun in the room. You could have heard a pin drop. Oh, yeah. You know, there were 20, 21 of them and one of me and uh, two supervisors. Yeah. And uh, a photographer. <laughs> you know, Would it feel so. weird or le- or not weird at all if, like... I assume they were all fans of yours, right? Is that weird? No, no, no. they were they were uh, they were a cross section of life drawing students in the New York area. Some of them, in other words, were 
enrolled in that class, among others, as part of a curriculum at Pratt Institute, mm -hmm. which is an art school. Some of them were attending this particular academy, which specializes in, in classical you know, classical foundations of visual arts. And uh, some of them were practicing artists, and some of them were little old ladies and men who were, well, I think I would try to take a class. class. Let's take yeah. a class. Yeah, the, Jeremy went, spent about a month in New York to, with different instructors looking for a cross-section of the American population. <laughs> now that I'm Somebody older, I realize I haven't drawn enough balls in my <laughs> life. <laughs> but there well, are but people think... from all backgrounds and all uh, ethnicities. Sure. And, you I, know. I think that, that uh, lends an air of seriousness to it that doesn't require comments, the comments section. Right. It's like there, it's an art class, a nude art, you know, drawing nudes. Absolutely. And so it's kind of like that's pretty much it. To comment on it, it's like sort of... Yeah, you're basically necessary. Yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, that's art. That's what's yeah. been happening for thousands of years. Oh yeah, you're posing for your art class. So. Yeah, like it's a lot of people have for thousands of years. The yeah. human form still going. <laughs> <laughs> Always a winner. Yeah, come on. But I think, uh, do, do you still feel like you have the same amount of stamina that you always had? Do you feel the same? I got the the inner stamina. Yeah, is strong. Uh, probably when I was very young, I had too much, and I was very nervous all the time when something would come up. I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to do everything all at once. You know, now I'm more, a little more even. But uh, the different, it's like a used car, the different bits. There are all these different bits that require special. You know how your car will break. You're you're by the side of the road in a classic car, and the guy comes, well, all that was was your Cotter pin in the schnitzel. Yeah. Cotter pin in the schnitzel. It's a $3 part, yeah. you know. And, and so then you feel like, so my investment was perfectly sensible in this car that doesn't fucking run because all that was wrong with it, it's just a $3. Yeah, but there's a, a new $3 part yeah. like every fucking three By the way, days. I saw Big Winky yeah. open for the Cotter Pins. They're yeah. fucking right. great. Right. Mr. Cotter Pins. So good. <laughs> Welcome back, Cotter Pins. So kind of like that. You know what I mean? Like there are all these different bits. And... Yeah. Well, I remember when Rollins was on a few years ago and he, he said he used to – he thought – he had a lot of energy on stage, and then he did some show, and then you went on. He was like, God damn it, how the well, fuck does he do that? Well, he's always in competition, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's interesting to hear you say when you were young, you were you were nervous. Yeah, it made me just sort of nervous about everything, because you, you want, like, sort of puppy nervous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you want to do well, you want to succeed, you're a little odd, you know, it's uh it's not you know, tie a, tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree was number one when raw power came. <laughs> this is my this is my luck. Right? Yeah. This is my life, you know. And I meet these people. I'm I'm interested in people. I I remember I I came that year to LA for the first time and I met these really friendly people. They were called they were they were friends of the cockettes. Mm -hmm. uh, they were they were, you know, a little bit swing this way, a little swing that way. They swing around, right? And they uh there was gonna be a record release party and they said if you give us they were very colorful people. They said if you give us three hundred dollars, 
we'll decorate your party for you, so you'll have a re you need decorations, right? So I gave him three hundred dollars, and it was on the roof of the Hyatt House. You had to walk upstairs, so I get there. And there were turds and vomit, <laughs> plastic. Turds yeah, you need to decorate on everywhere on the stairs. <laughs> you know, and Goddard Leverson came to that party. This is like this is like a guy who looked like uh, Leonard Bernstein, right? Mm -hmm. You know, head of head of uh, Barbara Streisand albums, a yeah. You know, so you know, I kind of get stuck in stuff sometimes. But now I'm more, I'm a little more cautious. You know. Like, I can qualify as an old fart. <laughs> and are you okay with yeah. that? Well, not like if I'm if I'm at home. I just I fart very rarely, but if yeah. I'm out on the road, like farting all the fucking time, <laughs> and I'm saying "fuck," you're doing some fucking press. It's giving me the farts today, and then I have to mix the press with my rehearsal, and I'm farting all through rehearsal, and then toward the end of rehearsal, you push a lot of air as a singer, so I'm pushing and farting, and pushing and farting. Well, but, right? but as a but and, as a counterpart to that, yeah. I would say, uh, <laughs> like uh, that, like when we played the Colbert show. Yeah. We played the Colbert, right? And we're going to do two songs. And when we played the second song, uh, the song Breaking Your Heart is Breaking Your Heart. Uh, as soon as we <laughs> launch into it, the audience stands up, right? And and it was an exciting moment. And I never know what the hell he's going to do. So as soon as it's over, he's like, can we do more? We're going to play more songs. And like, do we need... And I was like, holy shit. What do we... Like that energy coming out of you is 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 unbridled. Like I was like, it's not our show. I I don't know. I I, I, I forgot. Just keep playing, like, or they're not what they gonna do. Stop he, you? He grabbed me and was like, "Can we play more?" I'm like, "Oh my god, what the fuck!" And so, what I what I sense is that that cool, unbridled energy leaping, because that's not really age quantified. You know, it's uh, there's a certain wildness about you that's that's impossible to control, and more like you just go with go with it. Yeah, and and that's what's cool, you know, is that sort of um, unpredictable. I thought you were going to say that when I approached you that you farted. Yeah, <laughs> You're the, that well, I farted. I didn't want. I thought I'd just share that with you, but that's fine. <laughs> Josh kind of shit his pants just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I kind of did. Yeah, it's cool. It was just some, but it was a cool thing. Yeah, you know, it was yeah, like a, it was cool a cool guy shit. thing. All the yeah. kids are doing cool it now. Yeah, yeah, bloodless, very cool. <laughs> Turtling. Yeah. Like all the kids are doing yeah. it. Yeah. What is it? What is it that you? What is it that you're running toward? Like when you when you first start out and you say you have this nervous energy, because I was reading about you and you said your parents were incredibly supportive. Yeah. So what is it? What do you think? What is it necessarily that you were rebelling against, or what was driving you in, in, during that time when you started to figure out who you were? I I didn't want to lead the unenjoyable life, and I discovered early on that I liked uh, playing music in bands. I really liked it. It was really fun. It was just fun. And it was an interesting puzzle, too, how to get the music to sound better, how to get the music over to, especially over to the people in the room so that something started going on. And then a, the a big part of the puzzle, how to get a job, mm -hmm. you know. So there's all this going on. And uh, and it, I... I had, I was learning this by being in a band in high school. I was the drummer in a cover band. Yep. And then uh, we got a full-time job playing in a teen club all summer away from home 
couple hundred miles from where we lived. So we actually were living the group life, <laughs> playing five sets a night, six nights a week with five-minute breaks, right? And uh, that was where I started, you know, like, Got my first DUI, my first mug shot. I fell asleep at the wheel when uh, you know things started happening. You know, I mean, your high school picture is just this button-up yeah, looking was, kid. Yeah, with just the, totally straight. And, the, and then I, I really enjoyed that, and I became obsessed. I was listening to the some albums. There were two Bob Dylan albums and two Rolling Stone albums at those times. They were at the peak of their, uh, I think, of of their uh, suavidad. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, with him, it was bringing it all back home on Highway 61 Revisited. And uh, the Stones had Out of Our Heads and Rolling Stones now. And those four albums, just listening to them over and over and over, and then studying uh, with the Stones, the writing credits... That's how I discovered uh, Muddy Waters and you know a lot of great people. So I, I had I was not a complete hoo So I had pre-enrolled for college in the so September, and I went back home and I went to college, and I was like, <laughs> you know, I was it was just you know, oh God, I, I felt lost, you know, and I looked just like I look now. And that was like '66, yeah. you know. So, so was music I, a really viable option at that point? For no, people? it was not very viable at all. So I said, "Fuck it, fuck it. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a musician." And my father was. They had indulged me in this as a, you know, my mom probably said it's good for him and it's his interest and it's a rounded cultural thing. And then I said I was gonna do it. My father got very upset, and he, he blocked the doorway. And he's a good man, a very good person. And he blocked the doorway. He said, okay, Jim, if you want to do it, you're going to have to get through me right now. My dad could kick my fucking – my dad was a bad motherfucker. So I was like, okay, here it comes. I'm going to get the meeting, you know, because I really wanted to do it. You know, I would have to take this meeting. And, then, and once he saw that he just – got out of the way and that was that but up until that time i mean i was we lived in a very small dwelling at the, we our biggest one finally when i was in high school was 500 square feet mm-hmm. 50 by wow. 10 and they rented me a spinet piano which occupied the living room and before that and during high school my set of drums was set up in their master bedroom they gave up their bedroom oh my God. they would drive that's me. supportive i would yeah, say yeah they that's would like... drive me to rehearsals i lived in the boonies you know they'd drive me to rehearsals pick me up wonderful people really really great people did they understand like when you started to break out did they understand it or were they they go well, i don't we don't get it but we're supportive they they never they never said anything against it and uh there was a lot of i i became sort of notorious in the area and that caused some problems yeah. especially i broke some glass in the same town where my dad taught school. Oh, okay. And maybe somebody got cut a little bit with it, and that <laughs> maybe caused some problems, you know? <laughs> Early glass-breaking experiments. Yeah, some, and he had to come and get me out of 
jail a couple times. You know? Boy, times have changed. Yeah. Yeah. I, you broke you know, a little glass. Like, uh, you know, you know, yeah. This is uh, you can't. This shit doesn't stand in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. enough. Yeah. Go, oh, that is enough. Uh, they were great people, and uh, and little by little, they you know they realized I was getting somewhere with it, but also that I had serious. He makes quote signs of problems. <laughs> you know, I had problems. Were they, did, like, when you were going through that stuff and when you were kind of at the height of addiction, did you ever reach out to them or did they reach out to you or did you kind well, of leave them Oh, out? yeah. We, they even helped me with that. I had, um, I had, when I finally really had to do my first big heroin kick, they, uh, they had a friend who, they were, they were well liked in the area. So, the, there was a local pharmacist who said, don't worry, he's not going to have to go to any clinic or anything. And he bought a bottle, a bottle about the size of this container full of a variant of methadone. Mm-hmm. And he said, you just have to tell your son, you come once a day, just come to, come to the pharmacy, I'll give him a dose. There was no, no prescription. Oh, wow. Yeah, no clinic, no nothing. And I... That helped me a lot. Wean calmed me down, weaned me off. So, uh, yeah, they they knew they knew what was going on. My my dad, funnily, my dad's biggest concern. <laughs> Look, he was a guy. You know, he fought in World War Two, and he kept seeing how I performed and how I lived and he was scratching his head and he was thinking, is he gay or what? (laughs) (laughs) So finally one day he said, well, okay, at least, at least you haven't lost your natural drives because I was thinking I might have to disown you. you Yeah. It was a different time. He was a great man, great, great man. Uh, He really was, but, uh, and he wasn't too, pushy about any of that. <laughs> Nobody was wondering. Well, I think, too, especially as a father, it's like sometimes you just have to let your kids go because yeah. maybe their own failure will be, be the biggest detour. You know, if they fall and, you know, you might, you know. Well, you, uh, learn, you, you, you learn from your failures. You learn, like, that's, you know, not that you should seek to fail, but you shouldn't be afraid to fail and you shouldn't be too down on yourself when you do because that's, where you, that's yeah. where you learn. Yeah. And certainly if you do anything in the arts, failure is mandatory for getting good. I mean, it's for anything, of course, but your biggest failures are the biggest stepping stone to something wonderful, you know? How old is your kid now? Uh, Ten, four, and I have one that's like three weeks old. Okay. Well, you got to just let them move out of the house now. Yeah, and just, just it and out. say, you know, find your way, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like find your way downstairs. See if you yeah, can make it downstairs. Do yeah. Oh, you can't. Hmm. Oh, right. you're zero, huh? <laughs> do you make fun of your three year old because he can't even hold his head up? Yeah, yeah. The, my zero year old. Those aren't even words. Like quit acting like a babe. Well, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You expect everyone to do everything for yeah, you. Exactly. But it's uh, uh, that. I mean, I, I you know, I'm everyone knows because I've said a million times on the podcast. But I'm a recovering alcoholic. I understand. Oh, I understand wow. addiction to a degree. Yeah, but yeah. You know, dr- I never got into drugs, and I never, I never tried anything. Is it at that time was were heavy drugs, heroin? Was it just so much a part of the culture that it? They were. I, I'm convinced, looking back, that there was must have been some some door quietly opened at the highest level to allow organized crime to swamp the country with hard drugs. Mm-hmm. At, it's about 19, 
70, 71 was when it really especially every, musicians I mean, too right you know was, it's like to like yeah but it was like, everywhere oh john everybody. lennon should not be in the country or busting people it feels oh, yeah. like it feels like there was perhaps yeah. that door of like yeah. get the musicians high and get before them out of that here. It, before that yeah. it was more like you know a, a forbidden dangerous thing to even have a joint or something but all of a sudden man that stuff was everywhere and it was cheap and every scumbag Every low life had it and was offering it to you, and I don't know. It's, things changed. I mean, it, I, it, and it, it. I understand. I understand how that could proliferate, particularly in a community of people who, you know, look. You jump around on stage for a bit, and then you go back, and you're just in a hotel room alone, and you still have this well, nervous this energy, is, and yeah, that's sure. really tough to deal with. Yeah, right. And you know, I was taking a lot of when I. Not when I first started, I used to smoke a lot of dope before I went on just to calm me down. Mm-hmm. But as I had to keep doing it more and more and try to keep the group moving forward, which wasn't easy, uh, I started dropping acid a lot before I'd perform, you know, and that that really takes you to a point where you'd like a nice security blanket later. Right. You know? <laughs> I want to have my heroin now and <laughs> curl up in bed. Yeah. My and, coffee you know. and my yeah, heroin, right. please. You know? So I think that was something to do with it, too. That stuff's hard in your psyche, and it's usually cut with a hell of a lot of speed anyway. You know, oh, the, the, the street stuff. Yeah. You know, so. Do you ever think about those days and go, eh, how am I, how did I make it through that? Well, I I don't sort of do the how. Maybe once in a while, this little why comes up or something. Yeah. Why did the, how, how does that work? <laughs> you know, something yeah. like that. But I do have you know very decent memories of some of the some of the certain things that I managed to be a part of during in my life in those times. It's not all bad, but the. Uh, the discomforts were were tremendous, uh, very tough, uh, but only in an interior way, you know, most of it from otherwise. I was free. I was doing what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and I was getting in touch with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and leaving a mark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's pretty cool. You know, I just didn't think about things like houses or cars sure. or bank accounts or anything like that, you know. It's probably yeah. best. Yeah, it was better. Yeah. You know, that stuff's not much fun. <laughs> well, those things are the anchor of the boat anchor of, of making art. You know yeah. what I mean? If you're like, oh, I better get my house payment together. This Boy. next song is about my house payment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, one, two, three, a, four. It's called pro- Compounded this Interest. This is one of the big problems. That's how the song you know. Footloose was created. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, that's no good. Yeah. Kenny Loggins and just yeah, refi. Opposite, yeah, just like, <laughs> do refi. How do I sing about being free while not being free? <laughs> I mean, is it. Do, is is there? Do you believe in the idea or not believe in the idea of commercial success? And it's like if, you, if you're coming out of a punk scene, but then you start to get commercial success, and then is that bad or is it good or is it natural or how does that fuck with your head? For me, it's been good. Uh, the way I feel is uh, it's clearly known that I was described for many many years, uh, variously as pariah. 
homeless, crazy, rolls in glass, vomits, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And so it's great now if I can, like, have a whole lot of dough at a nice house and, like, do nice things and uh, have little jammies and stuff. That's all right. That's, you know, that's how I feel about it. I mean, I think know? that's actually the most punk attitude is, like, just not giving – just making yeah, yourself happy yeah, not giving right. a fuck. Just, yeah, and, and I think most people who, you know, are sort of human, then they're okay with that. Yeah, know? yeah. I don't. I don't care. They don't have to be impressed. Yeah, you know, it's that. It's just that they're okay with that. All the stories. Yeah. Have you ever heard stories about you that mm. you're, that you know aren't true? But you're, how the fuck did that get around? You know, I, I suppose. I suppose I have. I can't. I, there's n- nothing is popping into my mind at the moment. But yeah, there's there's a because the of legend. That. You know, like the legend of it will spread. Oh, one time I saw him fuck a snake yeah. on stage. No, no, you never saw that. <laughs> well, actually, the the ro- I never fuck rolled. I never rolled in broken glass to yeah. actually. To, and all that happened was there was I was playing a tight club. It was Max's Kansas City, and uh, at that particular place in the seventies, they served the cocktails in these uh, sort of goblet-shaped glasses that go down to a little mm-hmm. stem, and then they have a, a very thick base, you know, so they won't tip over. And uh, some, it was someone's bright idea that the audience was all seated at little cocktail tables, and they were all fucking critics, too. <laughs> you know? and Everyone I is. got out on stage, and I was blinded by the reflection from their spectacles, right? You know, a room full of spectacles, right? You know, And so I'm pounded away here, you know, maybe a little stoned, all right? Okay. And, and I think I either went to do a stage dive, although the stage was only eight inches tall, right? But that's what I do. Yeah, I mean, I do a itself. stage dive, right? Or I tried to climb on the table. I can't remember. But at any rate, somehow there was a, a glass was broken and it was on the floor and I landed on it by mistake. That was just a mistake. But the way I am, I... I got up and I continued the song and then I noticed it was this pretty fucking serious gash and it's like squirting like a it's like a renaissance painting (laughs) you know like where the squirt St. Sebastian and the blood is squirting but it it wasn't like I was going to stop Right. It wasn't like I was going to say, oh, (laughs) oh, you know so I just did what I did and then the night went on that it went on and on the night, but I didn't roll in broken glass. Actually, what I did was, I went to a, I went to someone's apartment on the Upper East Side, who one of the roadies later described in an interview as, I couldn't believe it. He's bleeding all over, and she looked just like Lauren Bacall and whisked him <laughs> away in her chauffeur-driven limo. And, and all I remember is that there was a big fishbowl full of qualudes on the <laughs> on the coffee table 
and I remember reaching out my hand out, and the next thing I remember, I was crawling on down 81st Street, <laughs> trying, to, trying to get to Lexington. To, to yeah, it's like a, a version camp, of walking home. And I couldn't. But and, 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 and somehow after that, somewhere in between, I think I went. I think I went to a hospital on Alice Cooper's dime or something in, in the, somewhere to get. I, but I love the idea of being on all fours trying to hail a cab. You raise your arm and the blood just starts squirting out. Well, that's why he's trying well, to get to Lexington. It's you know, I was, I was up and down. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, shit. Well, I'll The Quaalude way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sponsored so. by Quaaludes. But I didn't roll and broke a glass. <laughs> the story was that's, much worse. Yes, it was much worse. <laughs> that's funny. Some of the stories that he's shared with me, too, it's like, wow, that's actually way worse than what this <laughs> yeah, the, right. They didn't really cover it fully at all. It, but that's the first time that's ever happened, you know, because I've had my own experiences of being called certain names and doing certain things. And, yeah. Uh, and traditionally, yeah, the story I heard about gets that. away. My attorney warned me. Yeah, yeah, I've had <laughs> he's troubles. notorious. Yeah, yeah, and not 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 to the extent you have been, but uh, that willingness to do whatever it mm-hmm. takes, you know, whatever feels right. But what's interesting is hearing his stories. I'm I, every time I'm like, oh, that's way worse than what the. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely worse. Or <laughs> the one time you're like, yeah, someone said you ruined my house in Monaco. I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but I don't remember that. <laughs> really, I apologize. <laughs> ruined. I've got one of those. No, that's house your story. That's oh, your story. Oh, but yeah. I was like, wait a minute, you ruined a house in Monaco? What the hell are you Did doing? Did you ruin in a house in Monaco? No, it was it was in uh, it was in Haiti. So. <laughs> oh, well, that's totally different. Yeah. Haiti. That's totally different. different. <laughs> yeah, that's way different actually. Yeah. Than Monaco. How did you ruin it? Uh, what? How did you ruin it? I don't know. They say I ruined it. <laughs> I think what I did was. If they all like, start with him reaching his hand. Have out. you ever known? <laughs> I have a little of this in me. Have you ever known the kind of person, sometimes they're a hoarder, sometimes they're just arty, but they go to a place and they have to start rearranging all the things and tacking mm-hmm. up little things about themselves everywhere until suddenly it just looks crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like, like a that. String theory, Maybe you know? like that. Yeah, just yeah. rearrange things. Yeah, yeah, that's all. I'm going to set this across the room. <laughs> yeah. <bro>. But that <laughs> came back, back at me like, you know, it was like Eighteen years later, I was a completely respectable citizen. I was doing, uh, I was doing rock the vote adverts. <laughs> yes, I remember that. See, somebody, two women just came up to me at a bar in Chelsea and just, "You ruined our house." You know? <laughs> just like, I'm just, oh, I'm uh, sorry. Don't forget I, to vote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, write your congressman. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you live in Haiti. Forget it. <laughs> Lower Haiti. Did you? Well, well done. Do you, when you when you hear about these stories, do you feel like, oh, I don't think I'm that rock and roll anymore? Well, but I, I, I honestly, I don't qualify it like that because I think of the willingness. You know, I, 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 I what I love is the willingness to pursue yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, without consequence. Yeah. You know. Um, and and how this is we don't work at a bank, right? This is this is the job if you are willing to like, you know, machete jungle go, you know, <laughs> and 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 I love that and it's inspiring to me because, um, and it's also it also helps to make me feel better about what right. I've done because it's because because um, I've done some 
things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Josh. Yeah. Let it out. Come on, well, you're among but, friends. But you know, and like you know, it's like you know, the thing, truth is, you get thrown out of a few places, and you're like, well, I thought I was a side. You know, sorry, you know. Yeah. And but also, you do some things on stage, and you. You know, um, that's what that took that night. I'm sorry. Did that bother you? I'm right. just, yeah, I'm sorry. I, well, you still, you, know. have, you still basically have to, I mean, in a lot of cases, you're, you're playing the same songs that you've played for years and years and years. And I need you, them to be real every how night. Do you, yeah. How do you, you keep know? that fresh and how do you stay in the moment? How do you, how do you, but, I, but also that? if I can, if Please. I may separate myself from, yeah, I want to be a good person. I want to do nice things and make someone happy. And I'd like, but then also when it's time to do that, um, uh, it's you turn off all the lights in the in the house of your personality and leave the one light on that would walk up and do whatever that is. Yeah, and 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 I hate to say I'm not responsible for whatever happens, but I like that's that that's just that one room in your personality. That's the person that would walk out that's and do very that. Good. And and I don't and I'm not necessarily in control of the person in that room all the time. And and uh, you know, and I'm not sorry about that at all. I, but in the daytime, when that the light in that room is off and the other lights are on, I want to do nice things for someone and listen to them and and be cordial and civil. And but I um, I'm not always in control of that room upstairs. The kill room. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Drag the body all the way up. Yeah. So how do you how do you how do you keep something fresh and in the yeah, moment? Back to, I do it the singing it over and over. <laughs> he's singing over and over. How do you keep the twenty two and he's a dog. He comes here, it's still a dog. He's got a dog shirt. He's singing about the dog. He wants still. to be someone. Always dog. the dog. Someone adopt this pet, <laughs> would you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, uh, that's why I wanted to make a new record. Yeah. So I made a new record of different stuff with some fresh blood, you know. And, and um, not at all what I expected when I started no, listening to it. It's no. completely different than what I expected. It's great. So oh. that was one thing. And then uh, we're, we also do, we, we play some of my songs together, but we're playing many of them. Uh, they're songs that either have never been done on stage, some yeah. of them, or not very much. Yeah, you know, a whole record of flamenco style carpenters. Covers. Right. Great idea. Speed, I never ma- speed mariachi. Right. <laughs> Finally, it's Actually, come to life. We've got mariachi. one that's kind of like flamenco carpenters. A bit, a bit. <laughs> yeah, right? totally. kind of. If yeah. you think about it, right. yeah. Speed mariachi is <laughs> fucking amazing. That it's, has to be. a let's thing. Let's bring it to the forefront. That would has you? to be a thing. Yeah. Well, it kind of reminds me of something I read about you seeing the Doors for the first, like seeing the Doors for the first time. Yeah. Were you a fan of the Doors? Yes, you were. I was. Well, I was a qualified fan. I listened very, very closely to the first album. And there were a lot of good things in it, but because I'd already been in bands and made records myself, I could tell how many overdubs had been used and how much it had been worked over in the studio mm-hmm. to make it to make it gel. It didn't sound yet like. An act, it didn't sound quite actual, mm-hmm. but there were things in it. Whoa, you know, uh, the vocal, the warmth of the vocals, and the way the guitarist left space, Robbie Krieger, the way the sense of spaciousness and uh, romanticism in the guitar. It was unique at that Very time. Very strange band, the yeah. makeup of a band, and, flamenco uh, and I jazz. was real <laughs> interested in the drummer. I'd been a drummer 
and Densmore played like a jazz drummer, uh, as did Charlie Watts, too. Yeah, yeah. In other words, when he hit the cymbal, you heard it. Ping, 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 ping. They hear the beauty of the symbol. And, yeah. and when he hit the snare, he hit it properly. Whereas uh, Ringo, who did this great ruin things for all drummers, he start, invented something called the monkey grip. And that's where you grip both sticks like a monkey grips a banana, right? Mm-hmm. And you just start beating louder and louder and louder, right? But before that, proper drummers use the parade grip. You have monkey on one hand and I, this, you do this. Yeah. He flicks his wrist. Traditional you know, grip. Like yeah. chopstick. Yeah. Like like you're yeah. using a chopstick. Densmore plays that way. He, he so because of that, he sets up a beat. Your 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 toe is tapping, your butt starts to wiggle a little bit, but he's not loud so that other musicians can come in and create atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And uh the, the so I was real interested. And they How were also they, live? they didn't well they were absolutely abjectly terrible the first time. It was so <laughs> terrible, I, and I was fascinated with how terrible they were. But then by the time I saw them the second time, they came through Detroit after the second album. They were totally pro. They had it down. They had a big sound. It was great, but wasn't maybe quite as much fun. Right. You know, It was still fun. It was still cool, but it wasn't like. So I was in a, it was a little field house. Uh, a basketball place yeah. where they play college basketball, and they just set up a little stage for them. It was a homecoming dance for uh, it was all the it's big incredible guys and their dates dance. and everything. <laughs> but the public could come in, and I went. I had a little date, you know, and um, we got near the stage, and the band came out, and they were going to start playing the intro to it was Soul Kitchen. Yeah, but. You noticed that they had these. I think they'd gotten um, an endorsement from some amp company, and the amp sucked. They were either Jordan Boss. Do you remember those? No, or, no, or that's custom. They might have custom, been custom. Yeah, yeah. custom. Yeah, and um, they, the, t- the only good thing about a custom amp was it had this naugahyde tuck and roll. Tuck and roll. That's the tuck and to roll. cover up how like right. mediocre, how the horrible it was. <laughs> yeah. So they, the the sound just didn't. They didn't have a good sound system. They just had little column speakers. They, so it just didn't sound very good. It wasn't that they couldn't play, but it just sounded wimpy. Mm-hmm. And then they they played and played and played and nothing happened. And then finally out comes this guy and he had on like a black leatherette mm-hmm. costume, straight Hollywood Boulevard, you know, with the little pointy uh-huh. boots, big ruffled shirt. He had his hair oiled. And it looked like Hedy Lamar, and he was he was <laughs> whacked. His pupils were <laughs> big black pupils, you know, and uh, he lurched around the stage and made like these gestures, and then he began to sing the song in a feminine falsetto. Wow. Yeah. wow. <laughs> the clock says it's time to close. And the guys start getting mad, yeah. right? <laughs> so finally he did, and I've done this when I was stoned in shows too, and later in life on LSD. He just looked around, he said, uh, not that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he points at Robbie Kruger, my man, my man. Play the blues, and so they started playing. Uh, 
it's a bluesy number they Black have. Door, I, Backdoor Man. Or yeah, one of those, like, like I can't remember. Yeah. And he's doing all the things that drunks, obnoxious drunk does at a bar, like putting his arm around and going to every, hey, this is my man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? This is my man. But he looks great. Mm-hmm. You know, you would just want to take him home. You yeah. know, right? yeah. he looks awesome. And the guys are getting mad. You know, this is, gee, what is this guy? Is he like, think this is a joke or something, you know? And so it, it basically was a failed gig. They did, they managed to play. It was still only 30, 40 minutes. I think they played as long as to get paid. Yeah. And the guys were getting closer and closer to the stage. And finally they just skedaddled, you know? Holy shit. But I was, I, I thought, well, Okay, you have no more excuse now. You know, it, it's not how good do I have to be? You know, that was, that was yeah, that, setting the bar at yeah, a certain level. Right, I think right. I could hop over that thing. Yeah, right. These guys have a hit record. You know, all right, but yeah. it's funny because my my dad saw the Doors in D.C. and he said, "Oh, Robbie or you know uh, Raymond Zarek was great. He played organ with two hands." And I thought oh, that's gross. But then, <laughs> and, and, and uh, but he was like, and Morrison was just wasted. And I, but I remember thinking. Wow, that's cool, man. That's, yeah, right. Yeah. The that seems guy, uh, right? that seems like my jazz right there. You know? I wonder yeah. if you, because I'm sure when you're super fucked up, obviously your perception of what's going on is much it's amazing. different. <laughs> so I wonder, if, you know, if Jim Morrison had lived, and then they'd showed him. To, or have you ever look at old performances and go, I don't really remember it being that way. It was much different in my head. It wasn't that different. <laughs> I knew I was weird. There's a really good one of me on the internet. It's performing the song Bang Bang. It's at a German television show called Bananas. And it's in the early 80s. Bananas. Yeah, I got there and they, or Big Banana, or so I think it's Bananas. And and they decided, the first line in Bang Bang is young girls know what they're after. So they found a bunch of virginal looking young german girls like sort of like in one of those terrible films it used to make back in the day but they were all in diaphanous not diaphanous they were all in angelic gowns and they they arranged them from the tallest to the shortest in a choir oh, behind wow. me so the shortest ones were they were just little little girls little six seven year old girls up to these big Brunhildes in the in the middle, and I sang the song, and I mean I was pretty bad at that point. I had no front tooth. I thought that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I got news for you; right. it was. Yeah, right. <laughs> and this ruffle shirt, and I'm making all these jerky movements, like these weird jerky dance movements, and I was trying to be just as oh, I'll try to be as cool as I could be about this, you know. And I did it, and the girls are there, all kind of looking at me like, Mm-mm-mm, you know, you know, and they were thought, yeah. yeah, we thought this was the difference. This is yeah. bananas. What I, is was, this? I was yeah. told that would exactly. be. Bananas? This is not not appealing. Tradition of bananas. It's not appealing. Oh no! It's a kind of show. (laughs) Nine, Josh. That was a kind of show where they have a guy on the. They have a guy with a clipboard on the stage, and when you finish the song, he points. At the audience, and then that's music. Yeah. That's very German. <laughs> clap now. Yeah, exactly. Clap now. Yes. That's right. You will clap. You clap. But, the, but those moments actually become the coolest moments. Like, it, there's, there, you, know, you watch the Tom Snyder show. 
you go back on YouTube and your moment where you're out of your mind and then the PIL moment where they're just talking shit to him the entire time Mm -hmm. saying it's a fucking company and refusing to look at him and all this stuff are the two most watched ones of the Tom, Mm -hmm. the old Tom Snyder show. And it's kind of like, you're welcome, Tom, you know, because the moments where you're willing to just do whatever. Yeah. I liked Tom. Yeah. He was one of those tall guys who doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. (laughs) But just keep going. Always. He was always bending over and try, and he was a really nice guy. I really like. But, but he has to keep going. Yeah, but he had to act you. He's like serious, oh. you know. Yeah, yeah. how yeah. do I keep going here? I uh, yeah. yeah, it's cool. What What do you think is the <laughs> What do you think is the worst decade? Is there was it for eighties? Eighties, yeah. <laughs> oh, I suffered through the eighties, and that was in the eighties when I was performing that song with the on bananas. <laughs> Or I remember once in the the, the lowest point I hit in the eighties was, I think did I not have to open for Flock of Seagulls? Did you really at the peppermint uh, at the peppermint lounge? I think so, and I was so upset. I'm opening for Flock of Seagulls. This, this I've got to do something about this. What will I do? How will I steal the show from Flock of Seagulls? So I called up the roadie and I said. I want you to get some four by sixes. I want you to make me a big cross. And then I'll come. I want green paint. So I painted my face green and dragged this enormous cross on this, out onto the stage in the Peppermint Lounge. And people just scratched their heads. You know, like, I did it. I got yeah, it. I got him, right? I you got know? you. Yeah, they'll stop listening to And I Ran. You know, this will totally, this will totally fight back from the bottom yeah. and destroy the stranglehold that the media has upon my, you know, my potential listeners. <laughs> so it was bad, you know. It's funny, you know. It's interesting to hear you said is like because I'd asked before, like, what are you rebelling against? It sounds like you're just rebelling against moments, like whatever yeah. is in the moment that you kind of feel like I want to yes, fuck with this. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, those moments fade, and there's a new one coming. You know, I think there's a there's a sense to that where it's like, okay, that one's finished, and so this new thing is coming, and. Plus, like, banal and boring comes in waves, you know? It's like, you, how do you stop this next wave of total boring trash that's imminent, you know? Well, also, just having survived so many different forms of media consumption throughout the past five decades... That's a good choice of the survived, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just, you know, because you, it's funny, you, know, you talk about Flock of Seagulls, and, yeah. of course... You know, now you know Iran. You might know Space Age Love Song, but it's yeah. not. But I don't. I'm sure maybe they still tour to to a degree. But somehow Guam, Guam, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, that's where you the go. The snakes on the plane. <laughs> how are you? Yeah. <laughs> Get these motherfucking snakes on the motherfucking plane, Josh. <laughs> go, you know, know. But but how, how do you how do you navigate each each iteration of the business and each each you know thing that's popular with what's going on with people do you just not even think about any of that stuff no i, I do i just, uh, i think it's important to be aware of what other people are doing no matter what i think of it so i yeah i'm aware of it and then it but it usually provokes a, a reaction yeah with me that's that's how i react to it i'm not going to join up yeah you know but i'm going to react you know but in some cases you know, I did. Uh, I, uh, my agent, lovely lady, twisted my arm, 
and uh, got me to do American Idol. And I didn't want to go do American Idol, but then I thought about it, and she said, Iggy, <laughs> this is big. <laughs> It'd be good. It would be good for you, really. You know, and I think it's not going to be good for me. They're going to hate me, you know. And, but uh, finally I said, okay, I'm going to go do American Idol, be the guest guy, right? Yeah. And um, they gave me a nice young band from L.A., back me up and let me choose the song and I was all revved up to go you know so I got out there and the stage manager pointed and I started the song and we broke into it I was going I was, and then they cut it because you know sometimes like Ryan Seacrest hadn't done his hair or something you know? <laughs> and, then he and then he introduced the, they introduced me by saying I don't know if I'm ready for this, but here's, you know, because he'd seen a little bit. So that was like a fish out of water there, that's for sure. But um, But on the other hand. As someone that loves infiltration is one of my favorite corruptive hobbies. I infiltrated (laughs) infiltrated American Idol. I I like to infiltrate and eat from, like, the good cancer from the inside out, you know, because it's like, I destroy you. You're nothing but facade now, you know. It's just it crumbles. I I don't I don't mind shit like that because I, I was the subject of a CBS poll the next day of the American people. Do you think Iggy Pop was cool or was did he make a fool of himself? Seventy five percent fool. Did that make you happy? <laughs> fool. Seventy five percent. Too cool for fool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked that. Cooler but twenty five percent. That's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> a lot of people, right? But, you know? I, but, but I think it was like to think about the quality of the people voting. In a well, no, like I know that. Yeah. I, I'm aware yeah. of this, but you yeah. want, you, listen, you want those slow quality people. Yeah. You want those looky-loos. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, you want them. You also want those, you also want the the bad people. The people come for the wrong. You look, like the Trump they have They have to pay. <laughs> Just pay the goddamn money. Shut the fuck up. You can be bad. You can be dumb. You can be ugly. I don't care. You're just as good as a cool person, you know, and I will treat you the same. Yeah. Because that's the job. Yeah. It's a burger. Yeah. You know, right? <laughs> Sound burger. You have to give Sound everybody burger. the same burger. Is there a distinction between you and the guy on stage? Or do, or do you see... Do you see Iggy Pop as this separate entity, or is are you him? I think we co we cohabit the same body. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm not sure how that you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're kind of walking around home, like, what are you thinking about? Oh, often Iggy Pop things, and then what happens when I'm doing that is like, I, what am I doing? Where's my glasses? Yeah. Where's my phone? <laughs> or my, uh, my wife will say, I'll ask her a question and say, I just told you that five minutes ago. I'll say, oh, but I wasn't thinking about that. <laughs> I was thinking about it. <laughs> 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 
again. <laughs> uh, hand on the same switch, you know. Yeah, I mean, right, one wants yeah. to throw it on, the other yeah. one wants to turn it off. You know? yeah. Did you ever think at some point, like, oh, I want to try to be a different, I want to embody a different type of guy. I want to embody a different character. I want to do a different kind of thing. Or did you all just see it as pieces of... Well, I think I do I do other things. And, and um, m- m- mostly, it's interesting, uh, there's something about the Iggy Pop thing that is so robust that it causes others to ignore the other things I do. Mm-hmm. They just say, oh, we won't, we won't pay too much attention to that. Okay, he sang a nice ballad in Fran- French. He sang a Sinatra song. Oh, we won't. Let's get back to this Iggy Pop thing. Right. Uh, get some glass. Cut yourself. Yeah. Take your shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> do you mind uh, you know, balladeering with this glass on your chest? Yeah. I don't really, I don't really make up plans or anything, but but uh, I'm just really interested in uh, if I was quick and funny, I try what you're what you do. I try a podcast, and I yep. also yeah, and I also like. Uh, I think you got to do that anyway. Yeah, right. I like. I, I'm not. I'm not any good at basketball, you know. So I guess <laughs> out. You know, I'm a spaz, and I'm short. You know? so, so that's no good, you know, right there. That's, you, you recognized your strengths. Yeah, you right, right. A short spaz. <laughs> what could a short spaz do? <laughs> could paint that himself was, green and drag across I ma- on stage. I made an album. <laughs> I made an album in '98 called Avenue B and it was much different than the sound that people associated with me and the marvelous and erudite witty reviewer for Rolling Stone started out by saying okay look I get it this guy is tired of being a spaz <laughs> and he was, he was, but this doesn't make it. We give it two stars, you know, oh, right? two stars. Sounds like the know? script of Revenge of the Nerds. You know? He's tired of being spaz. Yeah, he's tired you know, of being a but spaz. But that's what's so interesting right? is that you, it's, it's, I feel like there's this double standard, this, this weird expectation. It's like, as an artist, if you're going to keep putting stuff out, People expect you to push an envelope. They expect you to try different things, but they not get... that way. Though. Yeah, exactly. Not that no, way. the other way that I don't know, but just not that way. Like, how do you? I guess you really don't have any other guide than just whatever you fucking feel like doing. Well, it's got to be a little like I, I wanted to sing some Sinatra songs, and I could just picture it. I said to myself, "Am I going to get support from the industry or the public in America?" Oh. Iggy Pop is going to do the American songbook. No, you know. <laughs> so I snuck off to France and I just did. I did a little record. I got it funded and released through a, a fashion website. A guy who wanted to get involved in music and half of it's French, French ballads mm-hmm. sung in French, and half of it is uh, old Sinatra bel canto. And I threw Michelle by the Beatles in there because nice. it's French and English, mm-hmm. right? I wanted to meld. I, I saw a connection yeah. between the two feelings. And it's a nice little record. And it's not that – it's not like I'm uh, – I'm not Caruso. I'm not even Rod Stewart. But it's a nice little record. I learned to sing better by doing that record. And it helped me go in the direction that we got to for this record. But the thing I really liked about it was – after it had been out a few years, I did a show, a rock show there, you know, hard-hitting, balls-out show, and a guy came backstage. He owns a s- string of wine shops, upscale wine shops, and he said, you know, 
Iggy Pop, I have your, I order your album, I'll pray 25 at a time, and I put it on the counter next to the wine, and it always sells out. And then I order 25 more. And that was a great feeling for me. Nice. Yeah, it'd be with the wine and the cheese and, <laughs> you know, and the parlez-vous. Did you ever everything. think you would see that day? Well, I, I was, I, I was, I, no. <laughs> but that's a very nice thing. And, and you're, you're, you're talking to people, you know, not a lot of, not enough people speak French. They're getting worried about becoming overcome. So it's nice for them if somebody will uh, sing some of their songs in French and give them a chance to say, well, but the, your French is terrible, which they will. But what I love about the French is they, they mandatorily in, in, inject art into their lives and their culture. Yes. It's, it it's is, a part of everything. And it must be this way, um, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. There's, a, you know, there's this allotment of like... You must be cultured, and you must receive yes. this culture, or else, you know. And um, and the world gets better when you do that. When you when you have this emphasis on art, no matter what medium it is, you know. There's this great emphasis there, and that that I would be into if we took a cue from here and instead of cutting art out of. Well, we'll get rid of that. We don't need. We that. don't need that. Yeah, that doesn't. Look, yeah, sure, that building looks cool, but whatever. Let's just you know. Uh, so I like the emphasis there that they have. You know. What are you the most when you kind of when you think about everything so far? What are you the most proud of? Is there anything that you're kind of the is like whatever we did together? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, by, as a kid, by the fucking depression, as post depression, that produced by yeah. Joshua Hobby, that's right. With the protein and bad elders, next available question. March eighteenth, Loma Vista Records, baby, baby, baby. I mean, I remember being high on acid and surfing down a blowjob fountain, yeah. but this record with Josh Hami. <laughs> Has to be. Clearly that trumps that big time. <laughs> you know, I did. I used Blow to go swimming. <laughs> you know that big fountain uh, at him. the corner where Wilshire and Santa Monica? Yeah, the blowjob. I used to go. Oh, is that the blowjob? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, when I was very poor here and I, could, I didn't have a pool or access to the beach, I would... I'd go over to that neighborhood when nobody's looking in the fountain, and I would swim around around a circle <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> Honey, I just swim. saw the funniest thing. I think oh, I saw Iggy Pop swimming yeah. in the fountain. And that's I'm very proud. Very you. proud. I did that. Really cool on the QT. Nobody ever caught me. Or anything, you know? <laughs> it's only about 14 inches deep. You're you know? probably never gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> There's some shit. In I that think fountain. if anything that you've proven, <laughs> the one fountain. thing that you've proven is that you cannot be killed. <laughs> That's why I'm here to learn. I'm just here to learn. <laughs> that phone was a step up for me. It was, a, it was Beverly Hills. He's going to take his thumbnail and slice and just pour the blood into your mouth. Josh, now you will be born to darkness, as exactly. I call it. <laughs> let's do this. I'd, I'd sort of be like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, sure. Let's I've do done everything on. else. Let's try we this. Well. Why couldn't this work? We might as well. <laughs> do you? Do your friends call you Iggy? Like, are you Iggy in your life? Yeah, more and more. It used to be Jim, and then it got to a... There was a tipping point when all of a sudden I'd been Iggy longer than I'd been Jim. And then it all tipped, and then everybody just called me Iggy. And that's it, and you're yeah, fine with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, Just before we're wrapping this up, you know, there are two people in here who are hardcore music experts, my friend April and my friend Kyle. Oh, Do shit, either uh-oh. of you have a question that you want to ask since we're all... 
Yeah, yeah. If you I can... love your shirt, by the way. Thank you so much. Um, I actually am curious because I'm a big New Order fan. How that collaboration came about? You being on their latest album. He, you're a big what fan? New Order. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to stump you. Yeah, it was pretty much by email. Oh, you okay. know, and he just sent me a. You mean the last one, the one the uh, yeah, the most recent one. Oh, this one. Well, I knew them. Okay, I met them doing uh, the Tibet House benefit at Carnegie Hall. Philip Glass called me. And said, well, I've got, I've got these. You know, uh, uh, there's a British band, New Order, and they'd really like to do some songs with you. So, and then me and Bernard corresponded, and then we had a call, and I ended up singing some songs with them and we got to know each other a little bit and so then he just sent me a thing I wrote a poem will you say my poem and I said yeah right. I'll say your poem <laughs> well that also answered I was wondering yeah, if you wrote it or if you wrote it and they just sent the, they sent me the track poem. and they sent me the poem and I spent about it was a cheap job so I only spent about uh, I spent about four hours internalizing his lines a little bit and he had he did a demo so to get his rhythm uh-huh. and then i just went in and cut it about six times maybe and sent it to him like that oh okay oh so you guys weren't even in the same room no oh okay but we have been in the same room right before. <laughs> have you really met him come on and when I, I did a lecture in uh for the bbc and bernard came in england during the gestation of our relationship. And uh, he asked a question about, you know, we don't we really need to stop these people who are stealing our music with these computerized devices and they have no soul and blah, blah, blah. We need to do so. And I, I said, well, I advised him maybe he could get a job like hosting a TV show. <laughs> it's really easy. Yeah, yeah, and everybody, that just yes. was perfectly sensible to me. I would love to have a job hosting a TV show. And I was hoping there's a show about wildlife in, in England. I was hoping that Bernard and I could co-host someday. Like my idea would be that Bernard could take me to quaint little English places. What's it? Country file. It's called Country File, uh-huh. and I could be like the American going, "Wow!" Oh my God! <laughs> right? What? I would watch that in a second. Bernard has a. Bernard you guys should also a, make like a buddy cop Bernard movie has a or very something for me to watch. Amazing. He yeah. has an even personality and nice vocal delivery. So I thought he could. Well, see, this church, which has been here since the 13th century, is uh, inhabited by bats, and I could go, "Wow!" Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> you know, be that guy. I greenlight that TV show. <laughs> but but he he. he he didn't pick up on that. I just got the poetry. <laughs> Come on, Bernard. Get fucking on it. Yeah. One step at a time. The world yeah. needs this show to happen. How do you get to the... When, how do you get to the... Because because of your energy on stage, like when you're not feeling it or you feel like you're up against the wall, how do you force yourself into that place? Or do you not try? Mm, it, it's um, terror. <laughs> the fire? The fire? There's a feet. lot of people in the room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are people there. Hey, <laughs> you know what the fuck? There are people there. So you do. It is. It, I I prepare for a long time on a show day. It takes me 
quite a while to get it up, you know. <laughs> as get I get it out. As I get older, it takes longer and longer. <laughs> it's more and more work to get it up. That's the way it is, you know. I try to do my best. And uh, I've modified, you know. There are less stage dive moments. There's... Um, more even delivery, uh, just different things, less screeching. Well, you can throw Josh off the stage. He's, uh, he's rugged. Yeah. He can handle it. <laughs> Lawsuit. No. <laughs> Kyle, do you have a question you want? Sure, yeah. Okay. Giant man crushes 20 members. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Funhouse is my favorite album of all time, hey, so thank thanks you. thanks very much. Uh, I just want to know if you could touch on, because I've heard a little bit of it, how Watt ended up playing with the Stooges. Yeah. Um, Watt was one of a group of people included uh, Thurston Moore and uh, uh, singer of Mud Honey, Mark, Mark, Mark Arm, Arm, and the guitarist, dentist's son from Northampton, Dinosaur Jr., oh, Jay. Jay. Yeah. Jay. Uh, these people... Um, were real interested in Ron at a certain time and uh, and in Scott and they started uh doing different con- differently configured gigs where Watt and Scott and Ron and someone else would go out as a band and play festivals or Ron would tour with Jay Massis and they and do the encore doing Stooges songs mm-hmm. this sort of thing so that went on for a couple of years, and that led me, that put me in a place where I could try to resurrect the group because they were out there too. So there was less differential between the the flow of what we were doing. And then when it came time to figure out who's going to play bass when we actually go out and do gigs, we got offered a big gig at Coachella. Um, what had earned he'd earned his place because he was the guy who went out there and uh, slogged. Yeah, he's a good guy, too. Yeah, so that that's how, you know. Besides uh, playing Speed Mariachi under the band name Cotterpins, yeah. What? <laughs> what? Cotterpins. I don't know where that, but it's just one of those things always made an impression. Of, and I hate it. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to spend my life dealing with a fucking Cotterpin, right? I want to do something else. You know, like Mr. Cotterpins. Mr. Cotterpins. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Cotterpins. So what? What? What else? You know, do you have a slew of things that you still haven't done yet that you want to do, or is it you take it moment to moment? What do you want to? What do you want to? <laughs> the things I want to do, I'm probably never going to get to do. You know, like I would like to run away to Paraguay and create a, a kind of a small cult or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late. Yeah, yeah, I think I can still. You know, yes, sir. A small cult, <laughs> yeah, things like that. You know, or maybe like just live out my days in a little apartment near the Vatican, <laughs> sipping coffee and visiting the Sistine Chapel. Go use that, chapel go use that one ATM that's and, in Latin. And yeah. graffitiing Bernini's, you know, Bernini yeah. has all these big, <laughs> these big columns there in, the, in Bernini's uh, piazza in front of the Vatican. And there's 
really scribbled graffiti all over them. I would like to graffiti on those and just be like that, you know. But I don't think I'm going to do that either. Um, there are things. I, I'm not sure what. I have no. I, I, um, I don't have any plans really. What do you think is the best thing a person? As we're kind of winding this down, what do you think is the best thing a person can do, an artist, a performer? to try to discover who they are, like to bring out who they are, figure out what their voice is, their point of view? Um, you think you have to recognize the big three, which is yourself, the people you want to connect to, and then the society that is around, surrounds you both. Mm-hmm. You have to recognize and balance you're, you have to communicate with those three. You have to, there, and also to deal mm-hmm. with those three. Do you, do you try to balance it. It's re- respecting the society or trying to shake the society? No, just be aware of it and decide. <laughs> I see okay, you there. I think today I could get away with a little disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but maybe, but, Gaging, but not you know? at, at dinner be nice, you know, is <laughs> the state I'm in now a little bit, you know. you know. So, be, no, be aware of it and then work out your strategies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you have to be aware. You know, it's not like, oh, we could could just live there shouldn't be any money so i'll find a way to just live completely without no (laughs) right there's this stuff there are these ways that things go and there are things that people are going to say about you and all that but that shouldn't be the whole game either Mm -hmm. or you end up as one of these suicidal billionaires right Actually, you don't hear about suicidal billionaires. It's There's the only millionaires. Like four of them. <laughs> you know, people, but some, a lot of people make a lot of money and then they blow it, you know, because they don't listen to themselves anymore. And then also, you've got to get something from the people you actually want to connect with. Yeah. And, and that, if depending on what sort of person you are, now, if you're that mean guy who charges 750 dollars now for that large scrally yeah if you're him you want to connect with some suckers right? right you know but if you're somebody else you just want somebody to give you a hug yeah yeah it well i think depends. it's also the, yeah. the, the idea of the when you i think seeking too many external things to fix you i think that's where people are like oh i made a million dollars now what you know, oh, wow, I don't, why didn't that work? Why, no, I, why, I thought this no. was supposed to make me, now I feel worse. Yeah, why are we? That didn't yeah. work. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember, was there a, one moment on stage where you said, aha, this is Iggy, or was it a slow transition? Did you, mm-hmm. did you discover it over time, or did, what, did something click at one point? The second gig we, I ever did, you know, as a vo- it was the first, the first time I did lead vocals. I thought, hmm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Huh, okay. You know, I thought I, I thought I had something going on. You know, the the first gig I was trying to be an instrumentalist still, so I had a I was strapped into I had a guitar slide guitar, and I had a pair of golf shoes hooked up <laughs> to a uh, piece of galvanized steel I was standing on with contact mics so that I could scat dance and play at the same oh time. God, that's amazing. <laughs> and I was also singing. Me and my golf shoes. And I thought, well, what could I do to look interesting? So I made a Afro wig out of a shower cap and heavy-duty aluminum foil. I made it myself and curled it. And, and I had a white <laughs> face. 
and I wore a maternity dress. <laughs> so that was an interesting performance. But then by the next one, that was just too much to <clears throat> deal with. So the second time, I just went out barefoot, pair of jeans, no shirt, white face. Mm-hmm. And that was the look. And then the approach was to dance and scream and scuffle while the guys in the group playing the instruments played these kind of droning riffs. Yeah. And then the third gig, I uh, ditched the... I, You know, I didn't realize that I shaved off my eyebrows for the white face. You need eyebrows. <laughs> There's a reason we have You know. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. you, just, you just look too surprised about yeah. everything. <laughs> you know, oh, I got these, yeah. these horrible styes in my eye because <laughs> yeah. the sweat, you yeah. know. Oh, right, yeah. yeah, yeah, it just went right down, you know. Yeah, it's a thing you learn. Yeah. Yes, right? One learn. learns when one shaves a brow. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Outside of Josh Homme, Who's your second favorite collaboration? Josh Homme. You can't be one and two. I'm one, two, and seven. You can't. And that's the way I am. All Everywhere right. I go. I'll allow it. I, I can't rate him. Uh, a lot of good people. Yeah. You know, David Bowie, Steve Jones. Was Steve Jones. Steve Jones. Yeah. Jones is, a, is a gas. His Instagram is amazing, you know, by the is, way. It's, a, it's Ron incredible. Ashton. You know, so. That's great. A lot of people. Well, it is, uh, it's been really great to have you here. And I really appreciate you coming in and fucking around. And Josh Homme, one of these days I'm going to convince you to come on at midnight. I, I, and you're going to bring I, fucking Dave Grohl on and you guys are going to be funny. Head to head. Yeah. yeah. You're going to take well, him down. Of course I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the challenge has been laid, Grohl. The challenge has been laid. Step it up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. All right. Well, it's good to see you. Post-pop depression, March 18th? Is that, was, was that the date? Yeah. March 18th, post-pop depression. Sure. Thanks a lot, uh, It's man. good to see you. All right, Chris. Thanks, man. Come I back the bleeding, I hope the bleeding stops Thanks, for buddy. you. Thanks. <laughs> Ciao, Josh, uh, oh, yeah, you left a sample right on his chest. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. There you go. Signed and delivered. Thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> Keep that in there. Never wash that. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. <laughs> All right. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free Right now on Wondery Plus.